Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Get your brand on board with our podcast with a sponsorship campaign and get into the earphones of over 100,000 highly engaged parents within our show and across Acast's other famous podcasts. We'll even come up with the creative for you. Get in touch via producerpaul.co.uk and we'll have a chat about how it works. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Making Room, the podcast. Our guest today is Clemmie Telford. From her blog, Mother of All List, her podcast, But Why, to her book of the same name out in July and Instagram, Clemmie facilitates frank, open, honest discussions, often around difficult subjects. Clemmie's a mum of three and has been praised for showing women her vulnerability around the highs and lows of motherhood, the challenges of mental health and the positive impact of her being sober. We're chatting with her today about habits, change and difficult conversations. Illy, do you have any positive habits that you incorporate into your life or that you'd like to ditch? Um, so if I think about the positive habits I've, I, I, I have in my life, one of my biggest is being transparent. I make a real habit of practicing transparency mm. with Ihsan, with my husband. The other day he asked me something. And he was like, oh, yeah, you're just saying that, aren't you? And I was like, no, like, I'm really no, I'm not. not. I'm really not. I was like, I am many things, but I am transparent. Mm. Like, you know, I don't. And I, and I think I haven't I wasn't always like that. I very much like kind of give very vague answers or be like non-committal. Mm. And now I'm just like, I feel how I feel. I say it with my chest. You know, there's no confusion as to what I think or who I am. And, and you know, I'd really like to ensure that. Ihsan feels the same. Mm. Um, That's a gift. And then habits that I'd like to ditch are definitely that I, I have a way of overthinking everything. I'll think about it over and over and over again before I go to bed. Mm. I'll remember things that I said to someone and be like, oh my gosh. And actually that habit doesn't serve me because it doesn't make me change the behaviour. Because sometimes it's not conscious. Yeah. It's not like a, a, anything specific. So it's like it just leaves me sitting there in this like yeah. feeling of like anxiety. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, actually, I'd really like to change that. How about you? Um, so probably my most valuable habit is getting up early. So I mm. try and get up at five o'clock in the morning, which I know sounds particularly brutal, but it gives me... Um, it just gives me headspace. It just gives me peace and quiet, which otherwise I never have. And I, I really feel a benefit of that. So sometimes I kind of slip out of that because I just want to stay in bed. Who doesn't? Um, and then I really feel like I'm catching up with myself in the day 
I always feel a bit on the yeah. back foot. So prioritizing that for me is kind of what I'm trying to focus on. Hmm. Anything you want to ditch? Um, anything I want to ditch? No, I'm just great. All my no, habits no, are really I'm, great. I'm I want to keep them forever. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Was that somebody smug? Sounds great. So let's see what Clemmy has to say. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A podcast from producerpaul.co.uk. So today we are talking about habits, change and difficult conversations. And essentially, I couldn't think of anyone better suited to discuss that with us, Illy, than Clemmie Telford, um, who kind of embodies all of those things, I think. Uh, so, hi, Clemmy. Hello. I, I'm, a, I think that is such a like nifty bit of, of language. I'm probably going to just try and put in the centre of all the work that I do from now on. I've never really known how to articulate what it is that I do, but you've, you've done it. <laughs> there you go. Take so it. Thanks. I will. I'm going to. You're going to see that. You're like, oh, yeah, familiar. <laughs> um, so, can you tell us a bit about who you are and your family and what you do oh, I mean this is always the very most difficult bit isn't it so who am I I am a, a mum of three um, I actually met Holly because she helped me have two wonderful births with my second and third child children after a not so wonderful first birth um, which I was nothing to do with but you were exactly. as, soon as, she, you know, <laughs> as soon as she came on board it was magic but it was it was a pretty uh, you know what those births were both wonderful in the moment but also very fundamental in the shift in myself so I think yeah we can't underestimate how important they were but what do I do I'm an author and a podcaster and a blogger and an Instagrammer and my kind of reason to do all those things is to try and 
um, I guess talk about difficult subjects. I, I, in any challenging moment in my life, what has made those things more challenging is when I felt alone in them, whether that be in grief, in tricky mental health, in early motherhood, that thing of I'm struggling with this and I feel alone is is the most debilitating thing. So my call is to is to help people realize that in any difficult thing you're going through, other people will have been there and you can't like transpose their experience for yours, but you can learn by by talking to other people. So that's that's me and that's what I do, I think. That's a banging intro. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so that's interesting. So you started blogging or Instagramming after the birth of yeah, Woody? Yeah, my second. Or you were doing, yeah. Yeah, to save myself because I'd been, I'd, my boys are 22 months apart. I'd found motherhood, like everybody, like it turned me upside down, inside out. Didn't know who I was in any element of my life anymore. And by having a good birth with Woody, I then was able to, rather than just internalizing all of that, was able to start talking about it. And, and I found that the more honest I was on the internet, the, the more receptive people were and that was a, an amazing experience mm. so in a way it made you feel less alone yeah I think there's been yeah. like a real shift um towards like honesty in in motherhood internet spaces you know it was definitely even be- before I became a mum which was only what two and a half years ago everything was so glossy and it seemed really unattainable um and Particularly for me as a black person, it felt very white. It just felt very like a, a huge sort of whitewashed, shiny experience. Um, and it, it was very unrelatable. And so even when I became a mum, I was still like, where are my people, man? But at least there were more people that were speaking about realities that I could relate to outside of race that that we all have as as mothers you know and it was like oh this is a breath of fresh air and i think it has allowed and it is allowing people to be more authentic in their experiences without shame and fear of judgment and things like that i i couldn't be more more here for it i i you know i i think mm. the internet has, the motherhood space has become a much safer space since people mm. started to be honest See, it's interesting because I I couldn't agree more, but there is one thing that I have realised kind of further down the the line is that some of those very glossy versions of motherhood, which, yeah, are the antithesis of what I try and do, but actually that's some people's coping strategy as Mm. well. Like, actually, hats off to the very edited version. That isn't... Everyone's like, well done for not falling into that. It's not a well done. I just cannot put a crafted version of motherhood out because my life is not like that. But, you know, there's just a different way of coping, isn't it? Yeah, and it's... it's, Perhaps it's even just that we don't actually have to do that. It's just nice that there are people that do. So it's like, there is no Mm -hmm. obligation. And I can't stand the whole like, it's glossy, you're you're lying, or why aren't you showing this other side of you? So I don't have a problem with the glossy. I'm just like, oh, I can't can't relate to the glossy. (laughs) Well, maybe it's down to us though, as consumers of social media to kind of curate what we're what feels mm-hmm. authentically relatable to us like actually if looking at glossy stuff feels relatable to you and makes you feel good or makes you feel excited maybe that's no. not problematic and vice mm-hmm. versa and actually it's we we have to kind of get away from this idea that everyone's got to get it right for everyone because that just isn't real no, life and also it? there is a duality to 
but I think that's the, the biggest thing to get your head around uh, motherhood and, and life, but definitely motherhood. That there is a duality, that it is the best and the hardest, that actually sometimes maybe we do look like a bit of a picture perfect family very briefly, but also there'll be chaos, you know, <laughs> when we have mm. to be able to know that these things aren't in opposition. And I think that's the bit that I struggled to understand. I was like, I'm hating this parts of it but that doesn't mean that I hate being a mother it just means that I'm struggling and I think yeah maybe I think as well important. like it is phases there are there are challenges at each yeah. stage like it's it complex, is just not it? you know I look at people like in absolute awe who love the newborn phase I'm like how do you do this like this is <laughs> I found it utterly horrendous and and I'm like, then they look glossy and they genuinely like they 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 are finding it absolutely fine. And it's like, oh man. And then they get to the toddler phase and it yeah. is just like <laughs> they're not so glossy anymore. And and that's okay. <laughs> or you know, it's fine. But it's like, oh, I don't mind the toddler phase. Like that's where I feel like I glow differently compared to the first mm -hmm. stage. You know, it's just mm -hmm. recognizing the fact that motherhood is so like transient and that mm -hmm. there are just going to be moments of joy and then moments where you perhaps aren't feeling that and that neither is a lie or an exaggeration or like a a or a reflection yeah, of your or showing off. It's just like this is yeah. my lived experience right now or maybe I'm lying to you but I don't need to tell you that I'm lying to you. No. It's just how I need, what I need to do to get by. I think, you know, it's not, again, it's not a judgment where people are showing the nicer bits. I think good for you, but I'm, I am I do like the fact that there seems to be a little bit more balance now. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, maybe because we live in such a masculine society, we are driven by these ideas that things are meant to be, um, as we expect or quite linear like this process is going to be difficult this process is going to be entertaining this and when it veers off from that and there's so much overlap in in the way it feels it throws us off mm -hmm. it's confusing because it's not what we've been sold it's mm -hmm. going to be and i think with, that's really relatable to habits and change and what we're talking about today because it's you have this idea that you've, you've got to decide what your life's going to be like and then just plow on and actually, what happens when you decide this isn't working for mm. me anymore? You know, what's, what's your experience of that? Oh, I, I, the thing is, I'm coming here like I'm in a bit of a in one of those phases where I feel like everything in my life is back into being thrown up in the air again. So I'm, I'm coming here in a slightly raw place. because I'm just like, oh, wow, we're in one of these massive shifting, changing things. Although maybe after summer solstice, maybe it'll be easier. But um I think for me, there's a few things. Yes, it's exactly this plugging into what you think life looks like. A, for me, that I'm understanding that that was a lot of inhabiting quite a masculine space. And I feel like I'm, as I grow older, I'm learning to pull away from that. But also, once you have kids, you can't do it like everyone else is doing it. You can only do it like you do it. And I think as time's gone on, the more I've learned to do, th do things that work for me, which shouldn't be a, a wildly out there concept, <laughs> but I really think it is. Mm, I yeah. really think it is. And because we've been told it's a, re a rejection of, of what was before. Yeah, I mean, it's like this huge rebellion. Doing. And it's like, oh. Uh, and yeah. also, do you know what's interesting is this kind of like need to announce it. Like, you know, we 
we announce and explain, and explain it. it like i'm just deciding to mother my way it's like oh oh well congrats <laughs> okay. like you know i'm glad that you're doing that but it's it's not it's not a big thing as in that's what we should do anyway it should be if it was the norm yeah then we wouldn't feel the need to just be like just letting you know that i'm just going to do what works best for yeah. my family <laughs> like it doesn't you know mm. And and also for yourself. Yeah. I mean, the obvious thing that I bring to the table here is that I gave up drinking two years ago. And, you know, I spent years trying to convince myself that, that it was a habit that worked for me. And then eventually, eventually just was like, this does not work. And it, and it feels like a huge act of rebellion, mm. which is interesting because I think growing up, you know, the Ladek culture, it was like, yeah, I'm going to be a... a girl who drinks pints that felt like rock and roll for me and now yeah for me sobriety feels like the ultimate not conforming to what is fed in mm. we're taught every day that's um, so yeah. interesting because for me as someone who doesn't drink anyway and never has mm. it's i remember like kind of becoming friends with other mums and and there's such like a wine culture and or like there'd be yeah. like little kind of oh just crack open a bottle and I'm like um yeah here's that lemonade like you know and like there's like a real fear like of not fitting in like it's it's like yeah. when people say and then I had a gin oh my gosh my first gin and I'm like yeah gin you know I don't I can't relate to that like and uh, and yeah it's like but it also falls into like the kind of first mum's night out and things like that like well, it's the idea of yeah, having to earn yeah, stuff. and that's the reward. But if you don't fit yeah. into that, it's like, oh, well, mm. I don't do that. But I'm still like, I am a hoot without a drink. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Get a bit boring. Like, I am definitely the sober wingman. But like, after a while, I'm like, come on, you pisshead, let's go. But you know, like, I think it can it can feel quite polarizing. Um, yeah not being that person what what inspired you what took you there clemmy what what made you what brought you to the point of deciding something mm. needed to change well it's quite interesting so i had i'd been like i want to say classic i don't it's, i i unpick this now as well but i was like most people i drunk my way through uni drunk my way up until my late 20s and i thought it was all normal you know i i thought that because it's what you're yeah, meant to like, oh, we're all drinking. And I, it, I had quite a lot of blacking out. And so that probably was signals that it wasn't great. But, you know, it was within the realms of normal. And then I had my kids quite quickly. And so between the boys, I didn't really have that much time to start drinking again because the, the gap was small. And then I remember after I had Greta, I was like, oh, wow, I'm finally thinking that she was my last child. I'm finally going to get back on this horse. You know, I'm going to get back onto drinking which sounds awful but only in a normal way and then I got to that point and I was just starting to get anxiety before I'd even had a, a drink touch my lips because I was preempting the mm. self-loathing the next day and now all I know is that that's my body had been trying to tell me that alcohol didn't agree with me that it was a terrible trigger for my mental health for years and years and years and I just wasn't listening. And then you end up in this spiral of shame because I knew in myself it wasn't the right thing for me, but I overrode that in order to fit in or order to, yeah. to access what I thought was a, the fun version of me. And then- And the comfort of what you yeah, knew. who I was. You know, I'd spent most mm. of my adult life socialising with a drink in my hand, as you do. I started yeah. drinking at 16 and 
in, in, you know. I think as well, it's that avoiding the ans- answering the question. Like, it's easier to not answer the question as to why you're not yeah. having a, a drink than to not have a drink. Like, it's just like, yeah. I don't want to talk yeah. about this. And, you know, where that takes you within yourself, the have it, having to explain that and whatever, it's like safer. It's like, you know what? Better the devil, you know, yeah. this is comfortable. And you've got nowhere to hide mm. when you're, if it's like, of course, if you haven't drunk, you know that as well. But I've had years of hiding socially behind booze as everybody has, you know, we all know everyone takes a, often takes a drink to loosen up. And mm. I do still loosen up after a bit socially, but I can't get there with a the chemical to, quickly anymore mm. so I have to sit in my own discomfort for a bit be you a bit do. awkward <laughs> and then and then you feel fine but you, you do you're like I can't and it's really difficult when everyone else is half an hour in has suddenly changed yeah. and you're like oh no I'm still here feeling uptight mm. and that's it as well it's if your social circle is still the same circle mm-hmm. you know kind of like mm, not wondering how you fit in again you know how you Mm -hmm. slot into that where you who you are without it and if they are still your same friends because i i said to my sister recently i was like you know i feel and i was talking about you holly i was like i feel like me and holly are just such good (laughs) friends but i tell you what i haven't actually seen her drunk like you know haven't seen her drunk but and 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 it it wasn't like even like a, a fear but it was like actually People are different with alcohol. Mm. What if she's a massive mm. arsehole? When what she if she's drunk? a dick? Because then, like, that just like, shit, we've got a whole podcast together. Like, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, that kind of thing of, like, how do you keep yeah. up? And how do you, who are you? Who are they? Mm-hmm. And yeah. how do you, I suppose, seeing them drunk as the sober person is like, oh. <laughs> it's like when you're pregnant, though, isn't it? And you kind of have this different view of things. And that kind of clarity you have and you you do feel like you're there in a different capacity almost. Yeah, because you're you're there as you. This is what is really hard. I kept on thinking, oh, I'm saying goodbye to that fun Clemmy. That wasn't me. Mm. That was not me. That was me with alcohol in my body. And and that's the thing. It's just like, therefore, the, the friendships that I would see for breakfast because there's no booze they're the the people who are the real people that I'm connected with if we're only friends Mm. because we've a couple of bottles of Prosecco in then that's not a genuine connection really it could be fun but it's not genuine Mm. I mean if you think I think drinking culture is especially prevalent in Britain and I do wonder how much of that is tied into our desire to people please and our lack of kind of willingness to really adopt our own identities and to really sit in who we are that we'd actually rather hide in what we consider to be normal or what we consider to be accepted i think like tying that into like motherhood there's a fear of authenticity yeah like what if i am not liked for my true self and likability we want to be liked we always want to be liked like you know yeah, it's I want to be liked. I want to fit in. I, you know, I I'd, I'd hate to stand out and be different from other people. So I'm just going to yeah. follow what everyone's doing. It's that same thing of like being like, I'm actually not going to do that. I'm going to mother the way that I want. Or mm. I'm not actually going to drink like you. I'm just going to do what I want. There's also a fear of judgment mm. when you step out of the norm. When, Well, I was just going to say, yeah, like yeah, especially yeah. with drinking, I, I think often if you say oh, I'm not drinking... Um, or I've decided to stop 
drinking i think what i imagine people's responses to be is oh wow did you did you have yeah. a problem and it's it's almost i i think it's similar to when you go to therapy mm-hmm. you know like you say you're going to therapy like oh god are you feeling like suicidal mm-hmm. or like it, it feels like it has to be something so catastrophic for you to make that change as opposed to it being normal to prioritize ourselves and make changes that suit us yeah. and Isn't the thing that is peculiar well, yeah well where i'm at is like no, I think the whole of our country has a problem. I really do. I think yeah, I think drinking I is the, such the crux of massive issues. Also, drinking is numbing. Like mm. even on a even it, yeah, and what we get yeah, away like, from. And I know I have to sit in that on a Friday if I've had a you know bad bath and bedtime. And of course, I'd still like a gin because that would be so much easier. Or I have to work through my own stress and and deal with it. But. And unpack it yeah, in the moment. Yeah, and, and it doesn't give you anywhere to hide. Over and over again, it doesn't give you anywhere to hide. But what I have found in social situations is you get better. You learn to mm. deal with your own shyness mm. or you deal learn to learn with your own stress. And it, it's uncomfortable, but it's it's like, it, I think for me, not drinking is the ultimate way to level up your life. I really do. Mm. Mm. I, would, I would agree. <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything to compare it to. <laughs> But whenever I watch a TED talk and then you, I like, they always end up being sober, the people that I admire. They really always do. That's so interesting. I think, yeah, it is just that clarity. But recognising that it's a process, like with any habit, like when you stop it, yeah. it's like it won't just be like suddenly you see this new self oh. and you're so like, oh, mm. my gosh, I'm, you know, awakened. It's like, OK, like, you know, smoking is very similar, like before I got pregnant with Ihsan, I would have a, one cigarette before a shift and one after a shift. Did you? Lovely. Oh my God. It would be like <laughs> that just moment in the day that would, oh, honestly, it would just make me feel absolutely, but it was oh. always associated with a place and I would always have to be in London. I would come home for like two weeks at a time. I would never need a cigarette. Like it was just like, that was fine. But it was a real habit that I got into. And the reason I knew I was pregnant was because I rolled a cigarette in the morning and I was, I felt sick and I was like, oh, Shit. Shit. <laughs> now, it's going to be a terrible shift. But like, you know, it was like, that was a habit that I'd got into. And, and it, just because I then knew mm. I was pregnant, it didn't mean that I suddenly felt like I no longer need that cigarette. That wasn't making a difference to my day. I still recognise the fact that I genuinely believed that it made me feel so much better. You know, it's not, it's mm. not this like immediate thing. And it's also not a... I think one important thing to say about things like stopping drinking or smoking is that when you say that you're stopping, it is not you saying you should stop too. Everyone else should stop. Like it's not a judgment. It's saying that you just made a decision for your life. Like Mm -hmm. I wish we would see things as like an individual thing. I wish we'd normalize Mm -hmm. that. And it's no, you you know, we always say on here, I think we've said it in every episode probably, but one person's opinion isn't a judgment on yours. It's like just... But we have this idea that everything, you know, it's when you see people being so triggered by conversations like this because they think you're talking Mm -hmm. directly to them and shaming them. Mm -hmm. We do have this really embedded culture of judgment and shame Mm -hmm. and this idea that if you're not part of the collective and you're not doing things the way other people are doing them, it's a really kind of violent Mm -hmm. rejection Mm -hmm. of it. It's mad. How did you find your breaking 
the habit of drinking did you was it something you thought about for a long time was it something you just decided on quite quickly how did it kind of manifest it, it's something i've been it's one of those things which there's so many examples of this in life where actually i'd realized i've been thinking about it for so long and actually that's exhausting mm. that even mm. if it's just once a week with a hangover that's exhausting to be putting yourself in those shame cycles and to and to be second guessing yourself like when your intuition or your your just your physical reaction from your body is saying something loud and clear and you're overriding it and overriding it but thing is by the time I went to do it first of all I didn't do that guys I'm giving up drinking I just stopped drinking Mm -hmm. of course like to Ben and then as I saw people I I was like I'm not drinking but you know what once you've decided in yourself you don't get much backlash I don't get people going oh go on have a drink go on have a drink they don't if you go I'm not drinking end of that only ever comes when they, they think that there's somewhere that you can wriggle with it. And the other thing I've learned is the people that end up trying to talk to you about it are often the people you least expect. And it's like, oh yeah, there's some, it, often they're drunk. <laughs> they're like, I, I want to yeah. give up drinking. I was like, cool, yeah. you, we can we can talk tomorrow <laughs> or we can try and talk yeah. about this now and you won't remember. But I don't know. It, for me, over and over again, I just feel proud of, of saying it now. Mm. I do say, so, yeah, no, yeah, I've stepped outside of what you want. Also, like when the bill comes, it, not that we've been in restaurants much in the last year, but that's a great feeling. You save so much. It's money so expensive. Every single at every single turn. <laughs> do you know what? Yeah. Yeah. If I go to, to dinner with people that aren't like that do drink, and they order their drinks, and then they're like, "Should we split the bill?" I'm like. <laughs> Not that no. bill. Like I, mean, <laughs> this is a perk. Yeah. I didn't drink but it's that. It's like you can go to the best restaurant and it not the bill not be that much really mm. if you take the booze off it. I think mm. it's it's you know it's I think it's incredible to be able to sit in in our achievements and be like no I'm super proud yeah. of myself I celebrate like it. this is a big yeah. thing and not try it like you know as British people I think we're just so attached to this idea of humility which isn't actually even humble um, but it's like. You, oh yeah you know it's not a big deal like I just gave up drinking like it's nothing and it's like it's an actually <laughs> that's a lie it's a really huge bloody deal yeah. and I'm shit hot for doing it yeah, yeah. and everyone's like yeah. Yeah. Basking yeah. It. like but the thing is once you get into like this sober community people are but, but you don't people just don't do it I think that's yeah people don't talk about it to other people because you don't want it's funny it's like not wanting to look smug yeah. or not wanting to look like you're judging yeah. other people yeah yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, yeah, when asked, I'll do, I'll talk like I talk now about how passionate I am about it. But I don't want to 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 push that on other people because also at the point when I was in this cycle of shame, I wouldn't really want to. Hit, people have to get there on their yeah. own. I think. Mm. Did you have any big obstacles once you had decided to stop mm. drinking? Did you run into any times where you thought I can't do this? This or, or you know any any big hurdling. The, the, Hurdles. The, 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 Hurdling hurdles. The hard thing is, is, is the happy times of drinking. I was away weekend before last. Some of my best friends went on a big walk and then they had a pint when we got down. And I was like, you are the people, you know, some of the people I feel safest with. We've just had a lovely time. Actually, a beer, one beer now, I can see why it'd be really nice. But mm. I, I have to know that for me, that it would be nice in that moment but I know that in the end it wouldn't it wouldn't feel good for me so it's and especially with any kind of habits the brain is so good at tricking you you know I exercise is a massive massive part of my life now but I still have to occasionally persuade myself to do Mm -hmm. it and my brain the brain just loves to lean in to the things that are bad for you and it's very confusing 
So true. Yeah. Do you feel like your relationship with exercise changed when you stopped drinking? Yeah. Would you because would you say as like a continuation of that question it kind of oh, i don't know the good way to say this like kind of like swapped out one thing for another like it, in some ways it it sort of not replaced it but yeah. became like kind of like okay this is my i'm going to focus on this to not focus well, on there's that a, there's a few things number one i have to really be aware of the fact that i have a very addictive personality so I very consciously like I fell quite deeply into the exercise world and have tried to pull myself back into a safer place because I yeah I can easily get obsessive about things but also I still was searching for that thing to let off the valve of stress mm. you know I'm still living the same life that everyone else is doing and exercise does get you there and I don't want to always only use it for that but it does it does get you there but also um the community of where I train a lot of the people there don't drink so when we go out in the evening no one has a drink and that feels like a really nice space to that must be yeah, lovely everyone's getting something else or everybody's up at six to train so it, that that was a bit of acceptance for that um but yeah it did change because I, I because yeah I don't know I feel fit and I feel well and I want to continue to do what's good for my body and to never have that waking up feeling hungover feeling means that when you do train you just forever getting the gains rather than that oh well, there's that Saturday where I was hungover and I stuffed a load of rubbish food in my face I still yeah. eat rubbish food but not in the same self-soothing kind of way yeah you're getting the rewards yeah exactly and that kind of spurs you on I guess yeah to... it does it does isn't it interesting how the brain works yeah, how did you find your relationship like with your partner is he did he start obviously don't answer if you don't want to by the way but like no, you know no, no, as no, in no, you know really good at hiding my feelings <laughs> on my face <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult it's difficult you know what when I first kind of did say on Instagram that I'd given up a friend of mine who I used to work with um, messaged and said myself and my two a, a gay guy myself and my husband both gave up drinking and then our marriage has fallen apart mm. two years later and I was like wow. wow that is horrendous I can't see how that would happen however Ben and I aren't at that point but we met partying together having a bottle of wine in the evening was very much part of our relationship as, as a couple and mm. the finality of what's happened now with this he's like I can't believe we'll never do that again and we won't. He's never going to share a mm. bottle of wine with me again. And he still drinks. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Although I have to say, I find it harder than I expected. Not because, not him having a day-to-day -day glass of wine or whatever. But when he does get drunk, I now see that as what what is he trying to check out of? And that's the same actually with any of mm -hmm. my friends. Like, what is it about this situation, whether that's having dinner together or at camping or whatever, what is it that makes you want to take it to the point that you don't want to be fully present? And and mm. and that's for me feels very difficult. So yeah, in all honesty, it's really it's it's something that we're still wiggling through because he doesn't ever want to stop drinking. I don't want to drink. It's it's they're quite fundamentals. Um so yeah. Did you talk to him about the choice before you gave up? Was it something that you, you discussed together? Well, he had, had taught me through years and years of hangovers or like not even mm. hangovers, but self-loathing the next day. So for him, like he would definitely say it's a massive relief when I finally was like going to do it because he could yeah. see that that was transformative for me. But I don't, So he was encouraging yeah. it and supportive. Yeah. I just came into my head, but on my two-year 
sobriety um, anniversary, my kids made me cards, which is so cute. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's yeah, so and, and, you know, I think it's, I feel really proud that they have got those two things, that they know that I've, I yeah. choose not to drink. Um, I think it's so important as well. And that they're proud of your achievement. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. And it, and it just, you know, I came from a home where alcohol was quite a prevalent part of it and that was a norm. I, I didn't know anyone, I don't think, who, who didn't drink mm like categorically mm. so I feel like it's only healthy for them to have that but also just teaching them about choice teaching them about choice and, yeah, and yeah. things existing uh, alongside one yeah. another and being conscious in your decisions yeah and just being like oh well just because she doesn't doesn't mean he doesn't and that they can still support one another within that like you know the, the lessons that they're mm probably getting from this are much bigger than even we can see but it's mm -hmm. you know I, yeah. I i found interestingly for like all of my my white friends alcohol was really present in their in their households growing up like i'd go and their moms would be like do you want to sip and they're like 14 i'm like what are you doing like but it was like norm you know at dinner mm. or at christmas or you know a little bit of champagne or whatever and it was just so yeah it's so it's normalized. normalized exactly and and it was like but Cosmo will say sometimes, do you want some wine? Yeah. Like, he, like that's yeah. because he mm -hmm. sees me having a glass mm -hmm. of wine. So it's like, mummy, have some wine. And, and it's no. not inherently problematic, no. but we also can't no. pretend that... That, that that isn't seeping isn't into And it doesn't affect them later yeah. growing up. Yeah, so when they have so, their own totally. social situations or when, you know, that norm of being the mum that needs a glass of wine at the end of a long day, mm. that mm. that's what... If you've grown up seeing that, then... And that's not to glamorise the alternative because mm. like you were saying, Chloe, it's like at the end of some days, it's like, jeez, yeah, I need a drink, you know, it's like, it would be so much easier. and I think even I can recognise as someone who doesn't drink that yeah. actually I probably would feel quite good to be able to tap out right now, just to even, con quite even convince myself that it's all fine, yeah. you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's not to say that the alternative is all this all rosy, but it's just to say, no, it's not. but again, it's it non-binary, yeah. isn't it? And it's celebrating the non-binary nature of it. And also that actually what we're instilling in our children is that it is, it is your right to choose what you want to do. You don't have to go mm. along with what everyone else is doing. And what a joy it would be to normalise that for, for our kids because I didn't grow up feeling like that. No. I didn't feel like I could... I've, I always felt very uneasy when I was choosing to do something different. I always felt like it was a real... It's naughty. Oh, am I going to be rejected? Pardon, it was sorry, naughty. It was not... Yeah. Was. Or naughty or, or just... Or just um, difficult. Difficult and uncomfortable. It wasn't just a... It definitely wasn't something that was celebrated. No. Oh, look, at Holly, she's doing that in a totally different way. It was like, mm. why is she doing that? But, but also the thing for me is that recognising that a good decision can sometimes be a difficult decision. Yeah. Like, yes, getting up to go to yeah. the gym sometimes feels like an effort repeatedly turning down a drink feels like an effort that doesn't mean that it's not the right decision I think that yeah you know we're very prone to taking the path of least resistance and actually sometimes yeah that's that moment of difficulty is the right one still yeah I think as well mm. just you know kind of being like they're not recognizing that again back to that choice point that someone who doesn't drink can just not drink through choice it's not about religion it's not about alcoholism it's just it is actually a choice like i was at uni and yeah. people would be like yeah Illy doesn't drink because she's muslim i was like no i just would love for you to just say she just doesn't drink mm -hmm. like yeah there doesn't, doesn't need, need to be, to be a, a reason, reason. Like, outside of being muslim i may also choose not to drink like i just mm -hmm. 
don't drink mm. we don't need to put reason behind it we don't need to put titles or whatever it's just I, I just made that choice I don't do it you know but that's very difficult I think people want we want reasons we want answers and excuses and justification it's easier yeah to it's reconcile. easy to understand for us to be like oh okay so that's why you don't drink yeah. <laughs> makes sense you know it's and also that's why yeah, I exactly. don't yeah, exactly. do it. That's that's really the question. If I was Muslim, maybe you know, I wouldn't like, drink too. It's like no but <laughs> no but Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. So you, Clemmy, have just written mm. a book called But Why? <laughs> but why? And it's about <laughs> conversations with your kids. Yeah, it's about answering tricky questions of kids, yeah. Yeah, so so tell us what prompted you to write that. <sighs> Good question. Um well there's a couple of things. One I'd very very privileged for the back of the last six years of, of doing the work that I do that I have had conversations or read the stories or been in touch with so many people giving me all this information and it was kind of all percolating in my head and I wanted to find a way to kind of bring it together but also because quite frankly as my experience in motherhood I really backed myself to be good at the part where I'd have big chats with my kids I was like Ben's going to be get great at doing the fun games I'm going to be good at like mm -hmm. talking about ideas of life and then it starts then they start asking you the questions and partly because of circumstance because when they say oh but why do people die it, it's eight o'clock on a Tuesday night you want to get into bed you're starving your period's due you've got emails to write and you're like oh my word seriously do I need to try and like yeah. make you into a formed adult now <laughs> can we do it tomorrow and you know that was coming up over and over again so I'd, I thought I wanted to come up with the answers to these these difficult questions but what I actually learned was how to approach them and it's a lot of what we're covering here it's it's learning to scrutinize your own thoughts it's learning to take the time to think I honestly just don't think people think anymore I think yeah. we're under the illusion that sharing a post on Instagram is educating yourself it, it yeah. is not it is not a passive action you have the only way to know what you think about something is to take the noise of everybody else away and and people just literally don't do that you know I couldn't agree more and so that's what I learned and and also loads of bigger things about learning to be comfortable with not knowing learning to change your mind you know we just have lost that ability we think that we need to land on what we think and that's that yeah. and it couldn't be further from and, and 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 kind of stand strong in it no matter what yeah rather than just, saying oh, i don't feel the same way about that anymore yeah or, or maybe you're better maybe you're right or, or maybe we can talk about it and maybe we've got different opinions it, it exactly yeah. this binary thing of you think this and i think that and therefore this means this about us we're, we're on a road to nowhere i've you know i repeatedly mm. over the last year i've just been like it's so noisy out there and i just think everybody wants to be heard and nobody is prepared yeah. to listen <laughs> And all that's actually happening is everyone's getting caught up and distracted and essentially not paying any attention to anything. Yeah, least of all themselves. Like, it's you. It's yeah. only you who can answer things for your child. And, and yeah. you have to be really honest with yourself about about bias and about where your opinions have come from, but also whether you're still being curious and whether you're still learning. As, Willing yeah. to learn, I guess. Yeah. And your own shortcomings. So I think part of, part of those questions yeah. is recognising, like... Yeah. <sighs> I don't bloody know like or I yeah. might get this wrong or or let's learn together I remember idolizing yeah. my dad for example an academic you know very very smart and and thinking well everything that he said was right 
everything needs it was fine mm. and and then it's a real shock oh when you realize my god <laughs> and yeah. then it's it's like it yeah, it and then you grow up and you're like oh oh, oh well no <laughs> and uh, even to this day like i sometimes struggle like my mum will come and she'll say something like your dad has done this and it's annoyed me or whatever and i'll be like yeah but I'm sure he didn't really mean it like that because, you know, maybe you're just looking into this because for me, it's like, well, he kn- he knows everything. Like he he doesn't get it wrong. So your natural leaning is to yeah, defend exactly. your dad. And I think instead what we should do, and this is uh, again, one of those things where it's like, you're not saying that your parents did things wrong or that they were bad yeah. or anything like that. But it's like now as a parent myself, I'm like, I should just practice saying, I don't know, should we look into that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or yeah. giving an answer and as she gets older really encouraging her to go and seek those answers mm-hmm. for herself that aren't influenced by my biases yeah. and also remembering i think the internet has meant that we think that answers can be like yeah, like three, an infogram three yeah. line thing <laughs> about any of the subjects yeah. that i've covered you could write doctorates on every single one of them so all you yeah. can do is go you know it's so dangerous to be yeah surmising things into something Pithy. Yeah. It's not pithy. There's there's yeah. nuance and it's changeable. Ugh. Something I've tried to normalise doing with Oscar is if we've we've talked about something, I will try and revisit it and mm. say, you remember when we were talking about this? Mm. I've actually learned something mm. new about mm-hmm. it. So let's that actually conversations are there to yeah. be carried yeah. on. This isn't a question answer relationship. And also, I think when we have this idea that of a hierarchical society where our parents know best, we do as we're told, our teachers know the answers, what we lose is the ability to think critically. Mm-hmm. And I think it is something that is incredibly hard for us as parents to be okay mm-hmm. with because there's been times where I've, I've really got it wrong with Oscar and he said, you know, he said, mommy, why were you, why were you sarcastic then? And it's like, and it's, it's like pulling me up on being sarcastic. And my, my knee-jerk reaction is to say, I was just mm. trying to be funny. Or just like, and then I said, no, you know right. what, you're right. I didn't need to be sarcastic there. Mm. I apologise. And just normalising the, the playing field being even and level mm. and that he can pull me up on stuff. God, yeah, pull me up on stuff. Because yeah, why should you person. think that I can get away with yeah. whatever I like? Why should I get away with whatever I like because I'm older? And because I'm his mum, I shouldn't. He should absolutely be able to to pull me up on stuff when I when I mess up. And but I think that takes a huge amount of yeah. And also to to for me not to translate that that I'm a terrible person. Mm. We're so used to being told off for getting things wrong or getting things yeah. wrong mm-hmm. being a yeah. reflection of uh, us us as whole beings. That mm-hmm. it's like yeah. oh man, and to your kids that like, they're supposed to look up to you and you're supposed to be this person and now don't you challenge me i mean it's so much easier for our parents to be like you know don't ask questions i don't have to i don't have to answer this do you like you know and (laughs) growing up in like a black caribbean household it was like do you think we're friends like you know that was often the answer Mm -hmm. like we're not friends like you don't get to ask me this Mm -hmm. i remember my grandma saying to me once you never ever ask me how long i'm staying and what and how old i am I'm thinking, why not? <laughs> like, why not? Did why? you ever ask her? Yeah, of course, every time. Like, <laughs> because I'm thinking, but justify that to me. And if your only answer is because I'm older mm-hmm. and it's respect, then that's not enough. No, it's difficult. Yeah. You know? There is a role for respect, isn't there? But it, there you, definitely is. Like, 
but yeah, you're right. It's not, it, but it's also we were taught like you never talk about money, religion, or politics. It's like, mm-hmm. well, if you don't talk about those three things, I mean, <laughs> what on earth do yes. you talk about? Well, you're just yeah. drinking. <laughs> but actually, I had um, Tat and Spiller on my podcast, and he has the account Simple Politics. And I asked him what he, where you know, where education should go in terms of political education in schools because I think there's a big shortfall. Mm. He's like, we shouldn't talk about party politics. We should be teaching them critical thinking and the art of yeah. conversation and the art of holding different people's opinions. That you know, forget politics. That's that's the, yeah. the skills that are missing. And I think the internet has got a lot to blame. This kind of yeah, always going in opposition and everything being finite. Yeah, we talked about that on the podcast last week with Nicola Washington with Nick. about politics and actually how often we when we when we hear politics, we think about party politics. But actually the the party mm. politics is the tip of the iceberg. Politics is so much more nuanced it's, it's than such that a different thing. and so much more important. But I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that we don't learn about it in school. <laughs> Is it? I also think that it's like when we when we look for everything to be taught yeah. in lessons within yeah. hours and subjects, it's like we miss the fact that it's just life learning. Yeah. Like we just we miss that we miss normalizing these things as just being like like conversations that we have. Like it's just, you know, even I don't know, my dad used to do this thing at the dinner table. We'd finish dinner and he would get a book. And we'd all have to sit down for like 45 minutes to an hour and he would read us this book. Oh, wow. And it would be like, sometimes it's like, I do not want to stay here. Like this is so boring, but it wasn't about, it was just about like, let's just sit and learn. You're learning something. You're just listening. You're learning something. It wasn't, it wasn't like within school hours and that's how you're going to learn. It was, this is a learning opportunity. Like I'm just going to read to you. And then he'd, you know, if the book was a film, I don't know if any of you have seen it, this film called Goodbye, Mr. Chips. No. And it is such an excellent film. But he read us the book first and then we talk about it and whatever. And then he set up like this like movie night and we all sat and watched the film and like but it was all about like just organic learning. And again, that's not saying that he didn't get anything wrong, whatever, but it's like when we are taught that we need to be taught something by sitting passing exams and learning in this way, it's like we take away from just natural learning and absorption. in life yeah mm. just you know and that's it, like politics religion anything yeah. it's like we can just see different faiths walking down the road and yeah. talk about it we don't need to wait for you to go to re yeah and be told something you know it's it's yeah that's, i think that's important but i wonder if social media is the equivalent of school to kids that we're waiting for someone to give us the answers to stuff all the time and we're yeah. waiting to find out what our opinion should be by the people we respect by the mass by the mass by the things that yeah. become mass and it's yeah. like and people who don't know what they're talking yeah. about <laughs> yeah. like and I, know, I say that as someone who's on got a platform but it's just like they they don't know any more than yeah. you mm-hmm. i there's a bit that for me was really important with the book is that I could have someone who's an expert in environmentalism, but they will know nothing about sex education mm-hmm. or someone who's an expert on racism and they will know nothing on, on gender. None, we're all human. Even the people that we think are experts yeah. will have shortfalls in their knowledge elsewhere. Yeah. So we shouldn't be putting everybody on these yeah. hierarchies because nobody knows everything about everything. And if they did, and if they thought they did, they've got it wrong. Yeah. Like yeah. the people who, that's what I found astounding, the people who project their ideas online, it's like, how can you not know that that makes you utterly flawed? Mm. Because mm. it will, everything's changing, and you can't possibly know. Yeah. It all. But interestingly, like the whole last year with the, you know Black Lives Matter and mm-hmm. Black Squares and all the rest, mm-hmm. 
I found like people will be like, Illy, what do you, what do you what think do you, on yeah. this? I was like, but you're literally just asking me because I'm black. Mm. You're not asking me because I claim to be an authority because I never did, but you mm. or an activist or anything. And all I'm going to tell you is my opinion on a situation or my lived experience. And how does that help you? It doesn't, you know, I, I, I said the other day because someone, I've had this happen numerous times where I'll call out a bias or say, you know, that's like a really racist thing. Like, you know, don't do that. And these people will message me and be like, oh my God, Illy, thank you so much. You've helped me realise that I was racist, like towards you, or like, I had these thoughts towards you. Thank you so much for your insight. And I'm like, what the hell? Like- Putting a lot of pressure on your shoulders, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, no, 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 this isn't it. And also just the kind of, like my one thing with Instagram, I'm nice people, Education does not happen by Instagram, by infogram. It doesn't happen. Like no one wants to do further reading. They want to just quote, quote some posts that they saw. It's like, there's more, there's way more. Like, you know. It has to get in your brain. Yeah, you have to study it. And it can be, and actually it's interesting when you're saying with your dad reading out the book, sometimes it's a bit boring. Mm -hmm. Like actually sometimes education, like it's like learning a new skill. If I had to learn something in the gym, I've got to do it over yeah. and over and over again and I'll screw it up and screw it up and screw it up. And then eventually it will land. And I think it's the same with any kind of education. You can't just read an Instagram post, think that you've got it and move on. But we're on. used and to need- quick and easy validation. Yeah. We, we're used to, to needing to be able to have something when we want it, as we want it, as opposed yeah. to doing the difficult, uncomfortable work you know it's it's i think it is so problematic to our ability to critically think and converse yeah and and to go back tight back to the alcohol thing like for me my prime time to have a great chat is over a meal yeah. right that is like a dream situation nibbling chatting <laughs> nibbling chatting but if we've done that and we're lubricated with alcohol you know that you haven't got the clarity of thought yeah. you haven't got the critical thinking and and yeah and similarly with social media if you've got a screen at the table or I remember some of our best chats as kids were in the back of the car schlepping across France and I'm guilty of my kids having having a screen in their hands as well there's no opportunity to think and there's no opportunity to talk and then where are Mm. we when you've had difficult conversations with your kids have you found anything particularly triggering and if so how did you deal with that Good question. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, you know, I think I've, I, well, some of the stuff that Illy is saying, that, that hierarchies of, and what well, you've both been saying, uh, of, yeah, I only ever thought my parents were right and that, that they knew mm. everything. And I think I realised that basically what my kids ask me anything and I don't know, the, I don't know the answers to anything. We're talking, they're asking about footballers, they're asking me about dinosaurs. I'm like, I've got some serious gaps in my knowledge here. <laughs> I'm really good on like popular culture. <laughs> Give me that, and I can. But it's not like an ongoing pub quiz. <laughs> um, I don't think I find it triggering with my kids as yet, but maybe they haven't got old enough to do that. So yeah, I, 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 the, the place I'm, I'm triggered is the internet. I'm sorry to keep no, going back no. there, but it's just like it's a triggering place. I, it, I think what. Yeah, I think why I get really triggered is because I know that I am trying to think yeah. and I know that I am trying to be a conscious human mm-hmm. in the world and I know that I'm getting it wrong. And yeah, and I think that means I'm getting it right. Yeah. And so it's really difficult when people are jabby with you because you're like, guys, I never wanted yeah. to be the gospel. And I'm not saying or I never... I'm doing it right. 
no, I'm not, I know I'm so wrong on here. And I didn't, just because I've got a blue tick next to my name, I don't think I'm better mm. than you. Like, mm. so I find the very nature of what I do quite difficult because I, yeah, I don't want any of those things. I only ever want to try and keep talking. Mm. Um, and funnily, so, yeah. like when you, Holly and I were speaking about this the other day, like, you know, when you, when you write from a place of authenticity and it comes to you and, you know, from the heart, essentially, sometimes it's some of your best writing. And there'll always be someone that comes to try and pick it apart. <laughs> and it's like, mm. why you got, Why do you have to do this? I am not telling you what to think. Mm. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you how to behave or what's right or what's wrong. I'm reflecting on myself. I'm sharing it mm. because I can, but I'm not saying it. I'm not telling you to do Why are you mm. so triggered by what I'm writing? Like, you know, and this kind of real lack of self-reflection, like instead of being like, I'm gonna tell you mm. how you've really pissed me off, yeah. you, a stranger who has no idea who I am and how you impact my life. I'm gonna take your words and I'm gonna be really triggered by them, which I often feel is not intentional. It's just about what we do with that trigger. Mm. But it's yeah. like, when you have these platforms and you share, and it's like people have this expectation of you and they're so disappointed when you don't reach their expectation. Yeah. And that like, disappointment for me is a real, yeah, that is a, probably the bit of language of people like, I'm really oh. disappointed in you. It's like, oh. wow, that is proper your parents. Your parent, or teacher. It? And it's just like, disappointed in yeah. me. I mean, I didn't you promise you anything. No. And I don't owe you anything. Yeah, and, and I mean, to be honest, this was the really, dip, during the writing process, and Holly, you would have been here a couple of times that, this exact thing is what was crippling mm. me and I wrote I handed in the first edit of the book and it was full, it's like packed with loads and loads of information and loads and loads of research but my voice wasn't in mm -hmm. there and I was just like I can't put a book out with my name on the front and not be prepared to to put yeah. my voice yeah. through it and and so I have done it but you know what there will be bits that people don't like there will be bits that people disagree with but I know I spent like 18 months thinking yeah. researching considering every word of that and that's all i can do and you know what probably by the time it goes to press there'll be stuff that i want to to, ch to change yeah. because we're ever evolving but <laughs> at the moment that i wrote it that yeah, that that's where i was i was at when i did um a podcast with sophie williams who wrote um anti-racist ally she was like all i want is for my book to become outdated i don't want it to be relevant in, mm. in 10 years time because that's that really means everybody's grown yeah. And it's like, yeah, good. If you if you read my book and you hate it and it makes you think that you disagree with everything I've said, well, that's great because then you know what you think and that's all you can, I can inspire people to do is to be to know what they think and to have honest conversations. Mm. But it, is, it does go back yeah. to that, like, likability and kind of really mm -hmm. following status quos. Our and need and, for and, validation. You know, need for validation, yeah. exactly. And just being like, putting something out there, like a book is such... And I imagine is such a nerve wracking thing mm. because you're no longer having these conversations in like what would be like this, like a safe space to have these conversations. It's like the world mm. has access to this now. And, and you, you know, can't delete it. <laughs> you can't delete it. And you know that not everyone thinks like you. No, it's like a physical thing. I had the worst night before my first book came out. I was up all night and I just had this desire to go to all the bookshops and get my books <laughs> it's like no 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 you can't no one you don't want this it. one like, you don't want this one it's like compulsive this compulsive feeling though of like oh my god it, it felt so i felt so exposed and vulnerable hmm. and just 
<laughs> did you feel better once yeah. it's out? Will, will this look? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how much of my turmoil is. Yeah. As I well, I, 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 don't, I thought something terrible was going to happen. It feels but, like And that. then nothing happens and you're like, oh. It's like okay. exam day. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I'm really excited to read your book. I'm Me so too. excited to read I your book. I can't wait. And I am definitely going to leave a one-star Amazon review just for like shit and giggles. I can't even hear that as a joke. I'm so sorry. I'm funny, but I'm so sorry. That was very inconsiderate of me. But you know, like I, I, I don't review many things, but I feel like with books, it's very important because we do sit there and we're like mm. thinking, everyone hates it. Is it if terrible? It's, if it's oh, any rough. consolation, Clemmy, she gave our own podcast a one-star review. I did, so, yeah. Uh, don't. For a joke? No, 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 no. I mean, it was an accident. She, she, Holly, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> it was an accident. It was an accident. This is when jokes go wrong. When jokes go wrong, you see. Um, There's no time for humour. <laughs> oh, sorry. So if we think about um, action points, so let's say someone is wanting to make some kind of shift or habit change. Let's say someone wants to give up drinking or they want to take up exercise or eat better or... Um, try and talk about their feelings more, whatever it is, how would you suggest they could go about approaching that? Could you give any advice from your own personal experience in terms of what helped? So I think there's two things. Number one is, and I talk about it a lot in the book, we've got to listen to our intuition. Mm. Like it is your absolute superpower. And you know, you know, deep down if if you're making bad choices or if you don't that means you're very very deeply into them but if you if you wake up after a night out and you think i never want to do drink again i mean that's a pretty pretty loud message from your mm. body it really is and i think the, the then the counter to that is none of this has to be to the extreme when i gave up drinking or when i started on this kind of fitness journey i wasn't doing things forever although they are probably forever now i did it to see how it felt better tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So with drinking, try not try not to drink tomorrow or try to have less to drink tomorrow. With exercise, try to move more tomorrow. With getting an early night, try and just go to bed. Like one night a, a week or something. Early, one night mm. a week. And, and I really believe those consistent nudges in the right direction that are up to something good, but also that there is no quick fix solution. Giving up drinking didn't on that day transform anything same as with my working out you have to do things consistently for a long time and you will begin to see the results but there is no magic bullet that just makes everything better this all takes yeah commitment to yourself and yeah so really to listen yeah. into your to your own kind of innate wisdom rather yeah. than look, yeah. looking for the answers elsewhere and looking for like, I'm a real sucker for Googling, like how long till I'll feel good after doing this mm. or how much to like give me the answers. But I think, it, I always think about the analogy of coffee as well. Like we all know in ourselves how much caffeine you can have. I know that if I go in for that third cup of coffee, it's going to absolutely screw me. Whereas the person next to me, it'll be something different. And so you, there is not one thing that just works for everybody. You have to find what works for you and also keep checking in on it like as i said the brain wants you to niggle towards the bad habits so you have to keep like resetting and resetting and resetting so kind of expect but it to it, be I mean, it, not necessarily linear a const yeah because i could easily go oh you know what I've, I've gone this long without drinking i probably could have a drink i probably yeah. could have and a then drink not drink fact. again no doubt yeah and i could yeah and i could not go to the gym so often because i'm, I'm relatively fit i'd feel fine but 
but that's your brain is is kidding mm. you you know that's that's a lot of, that's not very actionable that was quite broad but i just know but it's tuning in i mean i think self. it was quite quite actionable yeah, i think it is that listening into listening to your intuition being honest with yourself setting yeah. realistic expectations you know knowing that the journey is yeah. yours and yours alone mm. and is ongoing i think they they are the key yeah and they are very actionable points and and also you know little steps are still steps like yeah, you know this nice. kind of thing of like oh i need to do everything big it's like no no you know just just a little bit no tiny yeah. tiny tiny steps are, are still very valid steps and reward yourself for those steps rather than kind of thinking they should they should have been bigger well forward motion is forward motion isn't it exactly 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 and exactly. um, that has been wonderful thought-provoking exciting to listen to actually i love talking about change and yeah. movement and not being afraid to kind of um to listen and to and to mm. learn and to better yourself and to to see where life takes you i think it's and, and knowing that that looks different for yeah, so many people totally you know yeah. you it might not be alcohol that's your crutch it might be something else it yeah. might be you know something that you need to change in your life and that again going back to, to sort of holly's initial point which was that someone else's opinion or choice is not a judgment of yours yeah. so you know just 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 really reconcile with that and also like, i'm one of those people that my anxious brain will now be feel really bad about making a joke about leaving you a one-star review i never would bloody do that <laughs> and um <laughs> I'm that person too. It's fine. I mean, it will be unfunny if you do do it. I think she's definitely not going to do that. Yes, so I think we're fine. This is fine. We're all in a safe space. Okay, great. I'm going to be like checking every Amazon room. It's like that. I bet that's from her troll account. I, I bet she did it. Classic. Really funny. Um, so, where can our good listeners find you, Clemmie Telford? Uh, you can find me I'm on Instagram as Clemmy Telford my podcast is called But Why my blog is Mother of All Lists and my book which is out on the 22nd of July But Why How to Answer Tricky Questions from Kids and Have an Honest Conversation with Yourself and that is available from all your favourite book places please do buy it please leave nice reviews <laughs> nice reviews nice reviews <laughs> um, I'm very excited for this and I'm so grateful we're so grateful yeah, that you, really you joined are. us this has felt like a very warm and necessary conversation so thank you so much it's, and, it's um, really lovely thank you it's like a bit of therapy I appreciate it <laughs> wishing you all the best with everything you do thanks Clemmie thank you thanks so much for listening please follow rate and review wherever you're listening and do jump on Instagram to chat with us both all our details and clemmies are in the episode show notes. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.